0: Hey, if you're enjoying SLP's Wine and Cheese podcast, please take the time to rate and review us on your podcast player. This is episode 119, Early Speech and Language, featuring Leah Curtin. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And here's our podcast.
1: It's for the Realistic SLP.
0: Yeah, and today Maria's got a sponsored wine. Let's hear all about it.
1: Yes, I'm very excited to talk about this wine. Terra DiOrio Zinfidel Amador County. And I really like the drawing. It's, I really like this Drawing from our vineyards spread across Amador County, we hand harvest, ferment, and age-select vineyard blocks individually, then craft them from a balanced, elegant Zinfandel with complex fruit flavors, spice and mineral notes, and luscious tannins. Oh, fancy. This this sounds very fancy to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take a proper sip of this.
0: You take that proper sniff, sniff and swift.
1: I'm drinking water some.
0: if anyone's interested. I am 31 weeks pregnant today. Um, my day is Fridays. That's when I get extra pregnant. Wow. That's the day and of the week I progress.
1: My mouth was just like, wow, very Ooh. great tasting wine when you said that. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, interesting. Oh. While you're getting pregnant, I'm tasting really delicious wine.
0: Yes. Oh, well, that's good. So how do you like it? You vote drink it.
1: Definitely drink this. I like this. It's light and it's a Zinfandel berry, but it's um, a dark colored wine, almost like a cherry color. So it smells nice. It's not overly acidic and not overly alcohol taste. Just right. This is excellent.
0: So I'm glad that you're enjoying that wine. In this episode, we I chat with uh, Leah Curtin. This is actually another crossover episode. She was on my Unexpected podcast where it's, we talk about pregnancy and parenting. And sh- she and I chat all about what we can do to enhance
1: speech and language skills from birth. So you had an interview with her and we actually wanted to talk a little bit about that since you do refer back to that in the interview. So I wanted to talk about speech control, speech motor control. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear about this Deb? or do yeah, you want sure. to hear tell more? me
0: about speech and motor control?
1: Okay. Or do you want to hear more about my wine? Are you jealous about that wine? No, I
0: could care less. <laughs> I'm. I'm like, I mean, I know this is a wine and cheese podcast, but it's strange. I don't mind at all. Not drinking.
1: What about and everyone
0: keeps saying that I look so pretty and I'm like, is it because I haven't had alcohol in months? Is that it changing my appearance?
1: I'm not I'm sure. wondering,
0: I don't know. Not that the amount of wine I drank because of this podcast was impacting, not like I was looking grotesque as a result, but I mean, I was drinking outside of this podcast, believe it or not. So I'm just wondering if maybe that has something to do with it or i'm just like pregnancy glowing or people are just gassing me up i don't care what the reason is but it feels nice
1: and that's all that you need to yeah. feel if you feel great keep it going you know <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah tell us about speech motor control
1: so personally i'm speaking from my perspective first when i'm working with individuals and we want to work on putting, turning their voice on and phonating. I like to work on jaw control. So like if their mouth is here, they would try to open the jaw up and get the sound out. And you could even cue them on their chest. Like, ah. Uh. So what Maria so-
0: just did was she had her mouth oh, yeah. closed and then she put her thumb and her finger, her thumb on her chin and her finger across the mandible or jaw and the um, and she's pulling the mouth pulling. open gently.
1: Guiding, 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 guiding yes. the mouth like, uh, ah, yeah. I door. just had
0: to remind uh. Maria, this is an auditory show.
1: <laughs> I got in the zone. Right. I was in it. Right. OK. So I was just showing you, Deb, thank how you. I do it. And thank you for painting a beautiful picture.
0: Like, I hope I, I think, did. So it was the did. thumb on the chin, <laughs> the pointer finger um, along the side of the right Bone. side of the mand- mandible. And she was guiding the, the chin down with the thumb in order to open the oral cavity or the mouth to spread the lips apart. Yes. Starting from a closed mouth position. Too.
1: Yes. Oh, you could do that. Yeah. You might need a little middle finger help too. Oh, so the mm-hmm. middle finger
0: is placed under the chin.
1: Yeah. And you working on that. Uh, uh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel like, um, Ace Ventura, when he's like on the balcony, he's like, ah, uh, closes it. Ah, uh, similar. Okay.
0: It. So if you need an example, there you go. <laughs> For uh, the yeah. So this like, could just, if you're working with, um, a young child who is, you know, developmentally, everyone's telling you, you know, they're 12 months, they should start saying things they're not currently. So here's one trick that Maria has provided that you can utilize to get that child speaking. What else you got? Oh, the second thing she said was
1: phonating with the chest. Okay. Yeah. And phonating at the chest. So in this research study, we'll link it in the show notes, speech, motor control of the jaw lips and tongue were observed They observed it in nine to 16 months of age and the productions of Babel. And then they found, as predicted, the JAW was the first of the three articulators to have independent graded control in the emergence of word productions. So that's where we can start working on, because that's what's coming up first, right? Developmentally.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so it's important to work on what is... um, it's important to work on things in a developmental mind. order, As of, even if if the child's not on par with what they should be doing developmentally, you still start from the beginning. You don't start from the age they are and what they should be doing at that age.
1: Yes, right. We're not comparing them with anyone. They're just looking at developmentally, what should the jaw be doing at this age? So mm-hmm. it's the opening and closing that we got to work on that before we can say a word like Mom, right. which we need our jaw to open and close and, and produce a bilabial sound, beginning and end. That's a closed right. closed consonant, mom.
0: Right, yeah. so we need that jaw to open and close to produce that very common first word. Yes. Yeah. Tell us more cheers. about the chest cheers. prompting. Yeah, chest. Cheers. Oh, cheers.
1: It was just like a cue for phonation, mm-hmm. you know? you could just like cue someone like like that by putting your hand on right on your sternum and then you would
0: model well your sternum is below is lower this would be like your chest
1: yeah a little lower than closer than yeah to the sternum i think <laughs> i'm like i don't know it's too much for me just just cue tell put your hand on your chest and cue Go for it, you know. And then so while
0: you're cueing though, you so you could that would be like a tactile cue then because you're providing or a physical.
1: Well, cue. if you're doing it on yourself, it's uh I would say visual. If you take their hands and they could do it on themselves, mm-hmm. uh that would be tactile that would be gestural, I think, or hand over hand cues you could write. Um, if they do it on their own, independ- maybe they start to independently cue themselves, see if that helps them, you know, play around. Right.
0: Yeah. And then you would model the open, the ah, so that we're not just touching our chest, we're pairing it with a sound.
1: Yeah. Or a ha huh, just to phone a phony, huh. Like, huh. or, oh yeah. Or you could do like on maybe like you could work on, ah,
0: right. So the point would be, yes, you want to touch, Put the te- your hand on your chest, or have the child do that in order to cue the phonation. But you'll want to pair that with some sort of sound. Yes.
1: Oh my God! Such a good point. Good job, Deb. Yeah. <laughs> pair, it, pair it. Pair it with toys. Put stuff on your head. Put stuff on the floor. I love puzzles for that reason because you're putting the puzzle on about how many times you want, how many puzzle pieces you want. You right, want eight, yeah. You want twelve. 50? No, I'm just kidding. Wonderful. That's a lot. That's a big too puzzle.
0: Much. Um too much. So then yeah, those are just some things that you can get going to prompt some speech sounds in young children and then in terms of language. So I was checking out on the Informed SLP and um what I noticed they had an article talking about parent goals are closely linked to the way in which parents read to their children, their parenting, their reading styles. So as an EI therapist, um, you know, many speech therapists, they love books because they provide a rich language model and can facilitate language, but that's not mm-hmm. likely the goal that parents have in mind when they're reading mm-hmm. to toddlers. So, um, this is important to just think about. So if you're a therapist, then it can be a teaching moment for you. And if you're a parent, then you can think, okay, so what is my goal when reading this book? Um, you might want to encourage participation by maintaining a conversation, um, with the child, even if they can't talk yet, you're just talking to them. Um, And then also you can encourage participation by providing information about the text so um, that they can have like social cohesion and understanding of the the story. So think about your reading style, if you're a therapist or a parent, and um, what your goals are. Are you just reading the book and turning the pages, or are you trying to increase vocabulary or increase engagement or increase comprehension? So um, that's important to think about when you are reading to young children, which is something that is highly recommended from birth.
1: I like to work on he or she is and then the action word ing because it's okay. a good what question what are they doing and then you mm-hmm. can have like cue them with he is and see if they know the verb. Yeah, sometimes kids might just ask or with the verb if they can even do that. So, yeah, you know, nice. I just like to work on that. But that was a really excellent point because actually now that I'm thinking about it, when I ask those questions, I should make sure that the parents know that's what we're working on when we read books so the parents can carry it over
0: right because reading style is highly linked to the goals and values that you have in mind while reading so keep that in mind when you're reading to young children and then later in this episode we'll hear some more tips and tricks from Leah Curtin about speech and language development from birth can't wait To you by the Unexpected Podcast, hosted by me, Deborah Brooks, also co host of SLP's Wine and Cheese Podcast. This show is all about the unexpected elements of parenting and pregnancy. Each week, I take you along my pregnancy journey and I have interviews with new, expecting, and seasoned moms. Also here and there, I check in with my comedian husband, Mike Racine to see where his head's at along his journey to fatherhood. So check it out. It's on Apple podcasts. Hello, and welcome back. Leah, Leah Curtin is a speech language pathologist. So today we're going to chat more about what we can do from birth to increase speech and language, uh, skills. And well, I guess like we're just going to bombard them, right? Um, yeah. we're not expecting too much from them. Um, yeah, so so from from day one, should we should we be just uh calm or should we just start blabbing <laughs> at them? What
2: <laughs> um I think I think you're just reading your baby, like mm-hmm. um calm in that, obviously some startling noises. Just <laughs> You know, you're learning from each other. So you're learning from your baby and your baby's learning from you. So just like you want them to respond to your cues, you're going to be taking cues from your baby if you recognize you're talking too loud, like um, you're making observations of them. So they're going to be teaching you.
0: Right. They might do um, like a startle response if you're yeah. speaking too loud. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you can adjust your voice, your tone and volume, according to their like physical behavior. Right. Um, and so would you start just reading books to them from the first day? Yeah,
2: I would read absolutely. Anytime they hear your voice, reading books, singing, talking, um, you know, they're going to be sleeping a lot. Um, and when they are awake, um, yeah, you can, you don't have to be talking to them every single minute that they're awake, but absolutely reading from day one is, um, it's a, it's a great thing to do if you're like, what can I do to, with my baby sitting down and, and just starting by reading a book is the perfect way.
0: So Leah has so many resources on her website, Speech and Language at Home, um, for parents to utilize strategies at home to help um, increase their child's like speech and language comprehension and their expressive output, like the words that they're actually using and saying. Uh, if you are interested, you can check out her website. There's calendars with advice of things that you can do. Um, each day of the month, and she sends you a new calendar every month, which I love. Yeah, yeah. I always send those home with my parents. Oh, thanks! That's and um, you also have this great twenty-five strategies, which I also give to many parents um, following an evaluation. And everyone talks about how they put it on the refrigerator.
2: Oh, perfect. That's what I was hoping for. You need something just quick to glance at, and. I mean, even though I have been doing this for a while, it's like just nice as a reminder to
0: write something
2: to, you know, jot your memory.
0: So, yeah. So, um, for the listeners who are not speech therapists, right. um, about what time should we start expecting some purposeful, well, actually not even purposeful. When should we start expecting some so sounds?
2: You're going to, you know, like around three months or so. I mean, they're going to be making sounds, Um, but I would say kind of by three to six months, um, you can kind of get some little like back and forth. So if they, when they start babbling and making sounds, then you want to imitate them and make those sounds back to them. And it could be like the same sound and, you want to kind of develop that the turn-taking. So they make a noise and then you make a noise and hopefully they of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And one way to, to kind of develop that is to copy what they're doing and then change it just a little bit and see how they react. Do they notice that they heard a different sound? Um, do they try and copy your sound back?
0: And what are um, some indicators of them noticing? How do you know if your baby notices?
2: Um, like their eye contact, if they're looking at you, you know, if you, uh, you go up at the end, do they, you know, do their eyes widen? Do they, um, maybe they're not, maybe they're just, um, laying on the blanket and making sounds playing by themselves, because a lot of that will just be exploring, you know, they're just using their voice as, um sort of sensory play sometimes um just to feel how it sounds in
0: their mouth like they enjoy the sensation of the vibrating that's what they're not sensory play right
2: they're not doing it initially to communicate with you it's just something part of their body that they realize that they can they can make that happen and so they're Mm -hmm. just exploring it and so when you do it back maybe they'll turn their head to you um and so that's kind of what you're looking for. Is- or if they have a
0: pacifier, they might stop sucking because they're like, yes. wait, what was yeah. that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yeah. once they start making sounds, you'll want to observe those sounds and then start imitating those sounds in order to create a back and forth turn taking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when would you start like adding on and changing those sounds, trying to like expand upon their utterances?
2: Well, I think once it's sort of like a skill that develops once they um, kind of have control of that, mm-hmm. um, you want to kind of establish that like turn taking that they notice they're making a sound and you're making a sound back. Um, and once you kind of have that rhythm, then, then you can start making little changes to what you do. It could be the speed of what you're doing or like you're raising your voice or lowering your voice or making a different kind of vowel sound. Um, So kind of after they get that rhythm of, oh, this is a game, like they start to realize, oh, this is something you're engaged. um, You kind of have that attention, um, you know, they're kind of focusing on you. So it might not happen initially, it's gonna just develop once, once they have better control of making those sounds. Right. So again, in the like three to six months range. And, um,
0: so that's what you can expect by three to six months, but let's say we surpass six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happening at, so I guess what my question is like, so then we would still start there yeah. even if we're older. So, like let's yeah, say what would we right. expect like six to eight months to do? So
2: you might hear them making like the same sound repeatedly. Um, you know, they're gonna make sounds more at the front of their mouth, and c- which is kind of cool. One of the reasons for that is developmental, um, they're used to like sucking and using their lips. And so often those are the first kind of sounds um that they'll make the bup bup up bup, bup, because they're used to they have more awareness of their. Lips. Mm-hmm. Um so one thing that you can do at that age once they have a few sounds and they are they've got the vocal play is you can start attaching more meaning to the sounds that they're doing and you have like the turn taking game. So mm-hmm. if they're doing ba ba ba, you know, and you might say, "Oh, I mean, I don't know if they're doing a bottle or um mom mom, you know, you can you're going to say mom." Or
0: right, yeah. You know,
2: Yes. So you can start, even though they're, they're probably not um, using that as a word at that age, mm-hmm. um, you can start attributing meaning to the sounds that they're making, um, if it's close to a word. So if they start making that association that mom, mama means
0: mom. Oh, okay. So then, so then you can be like ma, ma, ma and like like and yeah. calling yourself mama. But if they're saying like ba ba ba, you can either like have a bottle or maybe like there's like your blanket, blanket or, or something. Yeah. So every time they start making that noise, you can like bring that object over, like hold that up, something. So then they start like, oh, every time I start making this right. sound, I get this thing. So now we're starting to like create an association. They might
2: anticipate. Oh, when I do this, then that like that cause and effect, this is going to happen every time I make this sound, you know, this, I get, you know, milk or.
0: Right. So, so early on between three and six months, we want to listen and try to imitate and then try to create a back and forth. Then we're like six to eight months and we're getting some reduplicated babbling where we're just like, ba, 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 ma, 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 pa, pa, pa. And we want to associate those things with, um, concepts or ideas or people or things. Um, so now we're going to be like, let's say we're getting to, eight months and now i guess we're doing the we're changing our vowels that we're doing variegated now i don't even remember variegated yes babbling so we're like Bobby, bobby bobby right and they're getting more word like and
2: so they may your baby may be making sounds that aren't really truly a word but you know every time they say it that that they're expecting that so you as a parent um might understand them as, as words. And they are real words. If, if you know they're using that sound to get, um, a certain, to get you or, you know, they're an mean, action.
0: They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, and so, so those would you be would like still the first wanna, kind of words. And then still want to repeat these types of patterns and trying to maintain this mm-hmm. back and forth. So a lot of things is just like repeating.
2: A lot of things is just repeating and being, you know, kind of just observing what your baby's doing and being aware that you, it's sort of like that back and forth, they're making these sounds and you're helping them attach the meaning to that. Um, So they're looking for information from you and you're looking to how they respond and um, that's how they're, associating um learning that what they do has a purpose for language
0: all right so early on with the baby so not to say that this is all day long because who knows what your work and life situation is but when you are spending time with the baby then your interaction should be basically eye contact and um following their lead and repeating the sounds that they make now let's say um I have a baby that's really not making too many sounds yeah. at between three and six months. Mm-hmm. Have you yes. seen this?
2: Yes. So if they're not making sounds and you don't have anything to imitate, then you would start with imitating with their body. So if they start kicking their legs, you wouldn't be kicking but you would um are banging some of their hands. Mm-hmm. You're gonna do a lot of this teaching through play. So it could be um, movement-based. So if they're not making movements with their mouth yet and sounds with their mouth, um, you're going to want to build that turn-taking through their actions. Um, okay. Yes. And so they're still so like learning. banging a
0: drum, banging on a table, clapping mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the like pause. So maybe they're like banging their hands really fast and you start doing it. And then they stop to watch you and then you stop and they're kind of getting that sort of like that rhythm of conversation that we're we're doing this back and forth and then there might be like a pause and you're waiting to see what they do. There's this cause and effect. So even if it's not through vocal play, um, that's really good for building early conversation turn-taking
0: skills. Got it. So if we can't imitate sounds, then we're going to imitate movement. Um, so then if we get to an older age, right. So Mm -hmm. we're like 12 months, 15 months, and we're still not really making too many sounds, or if we are, um, we're not turning those into words and we're not really Mm -hmm. repeating what would be some suggestions
2: So at that, you're really wanting to still focus on the imitation because that's a really strong skill to have. And let's say they are imitating. Physically. Yes, physically. And you're kind of stuck there. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, So what you would want to do is just like um, attaching meaning to those sounds. You want to attach meaning to those movements. So let's say they're, you know, banging, maybe they'll starting to bring their hands together for clapping. So you're going to be like, yay, you know, every you want them to clap if they're excited. Um, So you're helping them make connections between that their actions can have communication. So um, even if they're not able to use their sounds to tell you words, they might be using gestures. So you're going to really want to Use that imitation skill to help teach them. You know, when they bring their hands up, that means you want up. So you're going to help pick them up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they might learn to shake their head no. And so they're not able to express no, but they're using gestures to tell you they're using their body. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're bringing their hands together, you can start uh, creating signs for more and ball. Right. Um, those are just the two off the top of my head that involve your hands coming. I'm sure there's way more than that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. And then, so from, if you could give, like, let's like try to sum it up to be like five mm-hmm. tips to, um, every day to, increase right. speech and language at home yeah. from the start what would you say okay so i would say developing like a good relationship
2: with your i mean just being observant so mm-hmm. you know following their moods um you so you're following their lead is it something that they're enjoying like reading their body language i guess mm-hmm. um would be one thing that you can learn from your baby um working on that imitation either if or if it's through Vocal play or through body, Um, turn taking. So you're getting that kind of back and forth conversation, Um, helping them to develop gestures to communicate. So if they're not ready to do speech sounds, um, teaching things like shaking their head, no, pointing comes a little later, but that's a really good um, indicator of language Mm -hmm. to be able to point to things um when would pointing come like um for me I, I'm always working on it and it's such a delayed scale. right so it's
0: hard to know like the, <laughs> the the normal yeah 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 um I feel like probably around 12 months, 12 months. yeah but 12 they months. they always tend to point with their middle finger It. I mean,
2: yeah, and you, I mean, it could be like their whole arm, a lot of times they'll be holding a baby and they're, they're, you know, they're gesturing that they want to go into the other room because they're just, you know, throwing their whole arm over. So, Mm um, you know, you want your babies to be following these milestones developmental, but all kids are different and it is a range. So you just getting to know your baby and, um, also, one thing I remind parents is that kids kind of develop. They don't always develop all of these skills at the same time. So maybe their motor skills are, you know, they're um, really wanting to crawl, and so you're not getting as much of the the vocal play because they're so focused on kind of motor skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of being flexible with the milestones, and obviously. Just being aware of them so you know what what to anticipate to happen next um, and kind of look ahead. So if you're like, this is kind of where my baby is now, what Mm -hmm. is going to be next? And then what can I do um, to help get them to that next milestone?
0: Right. Got it. So we want to work on imitating, turn taking, and... um, what did we say with the re- gestures? Gestures. Okay, great. And then also you mentioned reading stories from the start. Yeah. In the beginning. Play
2: is very, very important and it could be um anytime you're doing something with your child like meal times or bath time. Think of that as like an opportunity your child is learning from you. So mm-hmm. those are great times to be singing or working on body parts are exploring you know food is like a um, sensory i mean they're
0: learning and absorbing all day long so mm-hmm. um yeah so then the Last strategy I wanted to bring up is sabotage, which I always parents laugh when they see that on the I know. the form. They're like, why would I sabotage my child? Um, so if we could talk a little bit about that. So like, sure. what does that mean and and how and why would we do it?
2: Yes. So let's say, I mean, I think we do this without realizing it they want your phone and you put it up high because you don't want them grabbing it even though you know that that's what they want so mm-hmm. they're gonna let you know
0: by you know maybe throwing a little fit or something but and that's intrinsically motivating to them so like totally. that, they they are going to want that phone because it's naturally satisfying to them to have it so that's yeah. why they're going to be more motivated to try to like communicate with you Um, to get it so that's a great opportunity to start capitalizing on on their language
2: exactly so maybe you you know don't really want them to have the phone but there's you know maybe a bottle of bubbles or some toy that they um or something they can have like a water bottle that's the other thing you know you mentioned toys and stuff too it's like like you know you can let your kids play with with other things around the house that could be you know a metal spool or something that um, right they're curious. They unconventional explore things. Toys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that sabotage just means um, kind of setting up that situation, knowing when, you know, obviously there's things that you do not want them to have. So that would not be the good opportunity to learn that, but take advantage of their curiosity and their wanting to explore things. And you can just set up a situation to where They're going to need to communicate. They're going to need your help in order to get that. Mm -hmm. And that's just how you want to teach them appropriate ways to communicate either through pointing or, you know, practicing those sounds. Maybe you're using the word and they're imitating it back to you or a sign or um, you're teaching them how to communicate so they don't have to. Kind of, it'll help to reduce some of that frustration.
0: Right. So sabotage comes really when you notice like, okay, somebody truly wants something and Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a barrier between that desirable object and my child. So you can do that by putting something up high, withholding something, hiding something, Mm -hmm. um, or forgetting something. Yeah. And so what would you try to like elicit from them? Well,
2: and then knowing your child, you want to kind of give them a way to, to let you know, they want that. Maybe you're, right. you know, modeling pointing that they, oh, oh, you want So you're, you're pointing and hoping that they copy you to point. So you're modeling it initially, and then you kind of want to fade that away so that when there's something else that you want that you may not know, they're trying to get your attention and. You might not know what it is that they really want, but if you're teaching them how to point um in a situation that you've kind of set up, you're giving them that tool so that the next time there's something that they want, they can communicate that to you
0: right. yeah. and I feel like so something that's tricky for parents is parents they, you know, they love their child, they know their child, they know what their child wants. Yeah. So they often will set them up for success. Like it's lunchtime, mm-hmm. here is your bowl and your drink and your fork and your everything that you need. But yes. there's no sabotage in that situation. So I right. am not motivated then as a baby to communicate because I've got everything that I need. Yeah. Um, so as a parent, I always tell, well, I mean, advice that I give to parents is to not always set them up for success. Like forget that juice, forget that fork. Well, they probably won't care if you forget the fork. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They'll just dig, right? Yes.
2: <laughs> Cause you have control and you know what they're, because there will be times that it's, but you know, even, you know, when they're learning words and they're telling you as best they can, what they want. And mm-hmm. it's just, they can't, they don't have the sounds or you, you you know, there's that as parents, we all have those communication blocks where you just really do not know what your child wants. So mm-hmm. by setting up situations where they have, you can teach them some of those strategies early on. Um, then when you really get to a situation where you don't know what they want, they'll have some tools to, right. Uh,
0: yeah. Right. And the way that you can set up that situation would be like, Don't just not give the juice at all, because then it's like, now I need to know the word juice. Now I need to like point to where juice might be instead, Mm -hmm. make sure juice is within sight.
1: Exactly.
0: And so that they're able to like, you're still kind of setting them up for success, but you're still sabotaging them a bit. Like they have no juice, but they could see the juice. So you're, you're decreasing that transit time in terms of like communication. They can easily, um yeah. inform you. But yeah. that's or you're a way pretending
2: you that you don't know yeah. like, did you want the milk or the juice? And right. oh, I'm dumb. Choices yeah. Yeah, Like oh. And yeah. And you really know what they want, but yeah. you're, you know, just kind of pretending that it could be, yeah. So that they have to to tell you.
0: Right. And then you can also like just use things functionally and correct. That's something that I like to, yeah. to do. Like if somebody wants um if somebody wants a, a a toy, they'll be like, oh, so I put it on my head and they're like, no, yeah. I yeah. want, like, give it to me. So this kid thinks that you have no clue what you're doing in life. And um, that seems to be highly motivating um, and still a form of sabotage because like they're, I know what they want and I'm just like messing around, putting it in mm-hmm. wrong places and not giving it to them. Um, okay. So that's my favorite strategy. to to work on. I think
2: parents do it when they don't really realize that that's what it is, but it's Mm -hmm. just being intentional about when you are uh, sabotaging things to control that because Yeah. When you actually know, oh no, this is something that they want. So,
0: right. And then before we finish though, um, you've mentioned so many times, like knowing your baby and reading your baby. So advice I give to parents is like, know those cues for frustration, right? Because so what would you do? So, so if you wanted this child to say ball, So you're, you're doing sabotage, right? You're, yeah, two choices. You're trying to do verbal decision-making. I have a Winnie the Pooh and I have a ball and you're just like, no, I won't give you this until you say ball. Is that advice that you typically give?
2: Well, you're going to want to read your child and you don't want to get them to the point where they're frustrated, overly frustrated. You want to keep reducing it to a point where, um, you're giving them enough help, like you said, having the juice on the table, or you want to make it, if they're frustrated, like get, help them to communicate, put it right in front of them. And, you know, you don't want to make it a negative experience. So no, I wouldn't get to the point where they're overly frustrated. Um, And then Maybe on a day where they're having a better day, you might make it a little bit more challenging by not putting the juice on the table or um, by uh, having not higher expectations, but making them communicate a little harder. But if if mm-hmm. um, they're in a mood where they, it's just, yeah, if they're frustrated, you want to allow them to communicate the best that they can that day. So right. they're going to change from day to day.
0: Right. And if they reach the point of frustration, they're not going to learn. So you need to learn your child's cues, or if you're a therapist, you need to watch those cues and find out where their threshold is. And you have to find a way for them to communicate with you so that you're not just giving in, but you're not pushing them past that threshold. So often I'll be like, if they look at it, I'll be like, oh, this is what you wanted. And I'll hand right. it over to them. Um if they may that do very it one day, minute. but they
2: might not have it every day. They're still learning that skill and it's not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, hundred percent So you you want to um yeah, like you said, read those cues and adjust for your child based on that day.
0: Yeah. I'm reading this book bring bringing up Bebe, And it's about an American woman in France who learns from like French parenting. And it's all about like reading the, the child's cues. And, and yeah. uh, so that's like probably the best advice that you can really give to anybody. Wait,
2: Cause you can read books, but every child is different. So you have to know what makes sense for, I mean, you're going to get a ton of advice and, yeah. and you just have to like, the more, the more, you know, your child um, you'll see what works for your child and what doesn't.
0: Right. Right. And everyone is different. And if you,
2: even kids are different, because if you have more than one kid, you know, what works for one kid, you're going to realize, oh, I have to, I have to readjust and learn a whole new skill as, as parents, because what worked for one kid
0: probably, you know, not going to work for every situation for your other kids. So, Right. Yeah. And, um, also though, I keep saying before we wrap up, I keep thinking of things, Yeah. Um, but if, if somebody is not, if your child is not doing things in a timely manner, um, mm-hmm. that is completely fine. But at the same time, you don't want to like not confront these issues. So right. certainly seek out right. help in early intervention related yeah. services for speech and language, uh, evaluation just to make sure. And also a yeah. hearing evaluation, maybe they can hear you.
2: Yes. Yes, I think just being aware of what those milestones are and not waiting too long if you have concerns. Um like what I was saying before just know that there's a range. So um yes, your baby's going through a lot of development. There's going to be a lot of things and and all kids kind of have their strengths and their, you know, some things that might take a little longer. Um but don't wait too too long. Definitely have that conversation with your your doctor. Um, if you are concerned, cause there could be even just small, I mean, just because there's a delay doesn't mean your child, you know, there's often some little things like when my child had some difficulties with, um, physical development, it was like just a few little tips and it really helped. So mm-hmm. ask early if you do have. Term.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm a speech pathologist and I have been doing this for eight years, went to school for six and I still like hear a tip, but I'm like, I would have never thought of that on yeah. my own. So everyone is still learning, um, in every capacity of life. So the kids are yeah. learning, the professionals are learning, the parents are learning. So just seek help, help whenever. Yeah. You- yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I really appreciate you doing this episode. Yeah. And if anybody wants more information on how to increase speech and language at home, then check out Leah's website, which is speechandlanguageathome.com. And also on Instagram, that's her same handle. our show everyone thanks for listening to slp's wine and cheese podcast if you're loving the show please take the time to rate and review us on your podcast player if you want more bonus content check us out at patreon.com slash slp's wine and cheese